Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation with two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and the world of pop culture. So we decided to combine the two. I'm Kara Kirby. And I'm Virginia Martinez. We work with organizations all over the world to inspire and implement people-first practices. We're here to talk about navigating the workplace, and we do it through the lens of great television. In this bonus episode, it's actually part of a bonus series on the shows we love that you all recommended we talk about, but we can't really talk about. It's a three-part series, and this is episode three. All right. Okay. Last but not least. Last but not least. I'm actually potentially the most excited to talk about this one, even though we almost did this to you. This she, she was a contender. It was folks. close. It was very close. Last but not least, Emily in Paris. Okay. There have been three seasons on Netflix of Emily in Paris. It's about a, uh, an American girl in her late twenties who was living in Chicago, working in marketing and um, gets transferred to Paris for what is supposed to be like a temporary gig out there with one of their like um, subsidiaries or something. I don't know. Um, And she was asked, of course, to bring an American point of view to a luxury marketing Mm. firm in Paris. All right. So essentially what Emily does, her superpower is posting to Instagram. (laughs) And oh, Emily, you know, somehow makes so much money and affords, uh, never repeats an outfit. such creative ideas. Oh, the, only the best hashtags. But sweet little Emily, always trying to do the right thing, keeps getting into trouble. Mm. Right. Okay. Aww. Look, it is so dumb. <laughs> but <laughs> it is... It is uh, between the fashion, whether you like it or not, or the Paris oh, backdrop or the beautiful men, like you don't even have to pay attention to what it's just like a feast for the eyes, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. The most, most, most hilarious takedown I saw of it is the New Yorker referred to it as quote unquote ambient TV as if something like it aims to erase thought entirely because basically (laughs) you can just it's a show you have on while you scroll through your phone and you're like it's fine because 90% of the show it's Emily scrolling through her phone so same same um yeah it's it's cheesy right but a guilty pleasure easy to binge And I will say that uh, from a leadership perspective, that they do give us some pretty clear examples. Like, so um, I always think it's interesting how female bosses are portrayed on television, because I think that it has to do with the disconnect that some women see with that word. So uh, like on TV, you have these examples like the double wears Prada. You have these these women that are bosses that are in um, Emily in Paris. And it gets really confusing because people are like, well, if I'm going to be a boss and I'm a woman, then I have to be like a hard ass like this. I have to be perfect. And that's and that I don't know. I just don't think that that it's just not productive to have those images that are out there. Right. So I always pay attention to those female bosses that are like that. Well, let me just challenge you on this a little bit. Cause we, it's like two, two things can be true. Like we want everyone to show up as your authentic self, but what if your authentic self is a hard ass? Cause I don't, I mean, I think Sylvie, the French boss is, you know, 
has navigated a most like a career mostly dominated by men and like she's been like you know objectified and sexualized and yada 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 and is still super successful and commands the respect of her team and i think to do that she has to be tough um but i also think she also is a private person and like doesn't like for example she has a like separates work and private life that is what's authentic to her right like she gets upset that emily's talking about work on the weekends because that's more Mm -hmm. like so at what there's like um like is there's a little bit of her being a hard ass that you are saying like might feel inauthentic and then sometimes i see her being a hard ass in a way that feels very true to her so i don't know i think she's cruel to emily though (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) I mean, she's like, petty, petty and mean, but I think she's really like that is my point. <laughs> if you're petty and mean, go work on it. That is not a personality trait. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> that is not an accepted, like, there's a difference from being, like, authentic and having, like, destructive, like, behaviors no, that yeah. harm the people that are around you. Like, go, f- yeah. like, do not attack, do- like, that's one thing that drives me crazy when people are like, this is just the way that I am. Yeah. It's like, no, if it's hurting the people around you, go fucking fix it. Like, you know, I yeah. don't know. I just don't think, I don't think anybody is, like, what I, I I like to believe that no one is out there that like like truly wants to harm people around them. Yeah. Like especially at work. Give me a break. Like I think like I always use the phrase accidental, like like leadership issues, because I don't think people choose to be like a hard ass leader. Like it's like they just don't know any better. They they maybe they only have examples like Sylvie from Emily in Paris, and that's what they think that they should be. And they don't realize that people don't actually follow that behavior. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think that she could have, like, people would actually follow her if she treated people like that in the office. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Oh, I will say with Sylvie, (laughs) no, 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 I'm not like defending her, but I kind of am, is that you have the, um, what's her face? Madeline, the the boss from Chicago, Mm -hmm. right? Who, like aren't really respecting the French way of doing things and aren't really Mm -hmm. respecting what Sylvie has been able to build and accomplish and sort of this disregard and sort of this assumption that the American way is better. So clearly there's a lot that happens on this show that is like the old tropes, the culture shock of an American in Paris and Europeans versus Americans and how they live life. So like, that's like all those things are in there, but Sylvie's kind of like, you don't know anything about Paris or luxury and like somehow you're coming in as an expert without really taking into consideration the expertise I have in this space to build this. And so she, she ends up taking it out on Emily for sure in very mean and petty ways, but like she was at first insulted, you know, like I think, okay, like two wrongs don't make a right, but they insulted her. Sylvie, in the Sylvie, by the way, her leadership, like the way she communicates, is often out of obnoxious aggression, in my opinion. And Madeline gives us a nice example of what manipulative insincerity means. Because she's a she's an a hole, right? But she tries to act like she's nice to everybody. She's telling everybody just what they want to hear for her own personal gain. Um, are there even any examples of radical candor in Emily in Paris? <laughs> 
Maybe, maybe with Mindy. I think that I oh, love yeah. Mindy. <laughs> yeah. She's my favorite. Yeah. But I think great. that I think she has some moments where I mean she really loves Emily and I think she has some moments where she's really honest with her. I would say yeah. she's like the one that communicates with radical candor, definitely. And yeah. then Emily is like ruinous empathy probably most of the time. Oh, for sure. I think her uh coworker Luke, who's like so quirky. I I love him. <laughs> who was one of the um the uh in a white lotus too he was one of the gang on the boat oh yeah he was that's right these gays do you know these gays do you do you know (laughs) these gays i think these gays are trying to kill me (laughs) see see tutti gay tutti sioma gay okay so anyway he was one of the gays on the boat trying to (laughs) trying to kill Tanya in White Lotus and he plays this super quirky French guy in Emily in Paris and he's comedic relief for sure. I do think sometimes when he is trying to do the translation science between Sylvie and Emily I'm not saying it's exactly radical candor but he does help those two see each other's perspective. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My other gripe about Emily in Paris, which, so I have a gripe about that female boss archetype and how it's in so many shows and movies. It drives me crazy. Like, why, why can't we have a boss that just like communicates with kindness and like (laughs) has a vision and like, like wants people, like people to like succeed. Like we don't have good female bosses. Rebecca, Rebecca's a great female boss. Kind of actually. Maybe not in the beginning. Rebecca needs some help too. So that's my one gripe is that it's it's falls into that stereotype. My other gripe is like if I see one more show where it's like a woman chasing her career and she's becoming a writer or an artist or like she's only in marketing, it drives me insane. Like why is that? Why? Why? No. Why do? Why are those the only careers that they? I mean, definitely, it's like from the male perspective that they're writing that. But like, why? Why do you think that, like? There's a responsibility. There's a responsibility for like these shows and for TV to show women doing other things because then it gets into the head of these young girls that their passion and what they should do in life is to go do these like artistic writing things and. I just, yes, okay, maybe, but there's so many other careers out there. Like you, if you want to be a writer, you can also be a writer on the side, but go, go learn how to code so that you can, you can financially support that lifestyle. I, I've been, I've been posting about this today, but this whole idea of like, follow your passion, find what sets your heart on fire and go for it. Like it just puts the wrong expectations on people. And I really don't like the examples they put out there for young women. Okay. Well, I, (laughs) wow. I, I, I do not feel as strongly about that as you, but I'm, I'm glad that you shared. I do not see it everywhere. Like I can't be the only one on this. Like the girl in the girl in the notebook, she like finds her passion because she can now become a painter. All right. All right. All right. Well, we can't, you know, we can't be like (laughs) down with capitalism and also don't do what sets your heart on fire. Like, you know, like, I mean, I think we're like contradicting ourselves a little bit. (laughs) 
I also, I want to just say, like, I agree with you. There's like these depictions of these terrible bosses. And while we are here to unpack, right, the whole point of our podcast was to unpack these lessons. The reality is good bosses don't make great entertainment. And so I know why they do it. You know, I think um, there always has to be some tension in the plot. And that can often be with bad personalities. So I, I, I I would like to hope that that's the reason so many bad bosses are represented because it, it moves the plot along and creates tension and et cetera. But I hear you. I hear (laughs) you. I am not bothered that Emily pursued a career in marketing. I am bothered that every single episode ends with her saving the day with a hashtag. Like that to me is just idiotic (laughs) but it's totally idiotic yeah yeah again it's just it sets a weird precedent that that's actually a career i also like i like the fashion but half the time i'm like i don't i don't get these boots the boots really (laughs) killed me like could have done without the boots i'm like is this what people are wearing now i don't is this in parisian fashion i just I'm like, they're always like a slightly off length. I'm like, are they, what is that? Is that ankle, mid-calf? I don't know. It really, that's, you're you're upset about her pursuing her passions. I was really upset about her wearing those boots, so. And I'm actually, I'm actually not that upset about marketing because that actually is like a real job, right? It's more of like the fantasy of being able to like, go and just like be 19 years old and like go like write books all over the world. Like you might be able to do that, but it, I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I hear what you're saying that it like puts maybe big lofty goals and people, I guess the reason I'm not as bothered by it is like, I think there is a way for you to have a boring nine to five and still be a writer. I think there's a way exactly. that you can work on your craft and then be a writer full time. Yes. I'm just a little more realistic about it. And I'm really passionate about like, okay, if you have a family that's going to fund all your stuff, that's totally fine. I didn't grow up that way. So like I had to be very realistic financially and like through being able to pay attention to that, I was able to give myself a little bit more freedom in life. So like to like, I think that it's okay to say that you can be real- realistic. Go get that job. Go take action. Find joy in the things that you can find joy in. And then find a way that you can do your passions at other times in life. Like, this just idea that, like, you have to have a singular focus or there's this, this ladder that only goes in one direction. It doesn't leave room to have, like, lots of different interests, to have hobbies, to be realistic about your finances. So I, yeah, I, yeah, that's okay. All right. I'm done. I promise I'm done on this TED talk now. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I I also think there is a way to be thoughtful and turn the thing that you love into your business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's okay if that takes time. Yeah. I mean, don't you want to make podcasting your full-time job? What would Absolutely. you say to yourself? Stop chasing. <laughs> Get a job. I, but I couldn't do this. Like if I, 
And and I wouldn't be able to do my company right now yeah. if I didn't have 16 years of studying yeah. and working in corporate America and gaining those experiences, right? Like we wouldn't be able to have this podcast if we wouldn't have gone out and really learned the real world and honed our craft. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I wake up every day and I'm just like obsessed with leadership, but I found a way to be really interested in it so that I could become an expert in it. So, and I'm not, and I mean, I still, I will continue to learn about it for the rest of my life. But if I wouldn't have done those little steps, I wouldn't be able to make decisions like like we're making right now. So I just, I get a little fearful of people wanting to like do things immediately mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And not and not be aware that like it's okay to have a journey. Like you don't have to be an overnight okay. success. No one usually is. Okay, so I am I am understanding your take better now that it's less about writing or marketing, but it's more these shows that make it seem too easy when actually yes when actually there's a lot of work, hard work that goes into building a job or career around your passion. It's not easy. It doesn't fall in your lap. It won't happen overnight. And so you don't appreciate when shows make it seem so easy so that other people get really frustrated when it doesn't work for them. Yeah. And, and I come from a family of artists too. So like, I mean, it takes a long time to be a successful artist and sometimes people never achieve it. So if you, if you're super worried all the time that you can't pay your rent, it's going to be really hard for you to create. Like you've got to get yourself into a place where you feel stable so that you can also do your creative work in my opinion. Um, but it's just cause I also was raised around a bunch of artists too. So yeah. I've got some like really weird perspectives on that as well. No, no, no. I think that's important to like, again, two things can be true. You can pursue it, but be, do it in a way that feels, leaves you safe. Yeah. With security, with some form of security. It's okay to take risks, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. And sometimes your jobs are going to be boring and yeah, you know, it's not going to be in line with your passion 24 seven. That's okay, but you'll get there. Yeah. I I think that's a big thing too, is that, um, yeah, sometimes you can have a job that pays the rent. It doesn't have to be your personality. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be Emily in Paris. That's fine. (laughs) It's fine. You You don't have to save the world with a hashtag. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. We, if, if you did not hear your show mentioned, if you had referred a show to us and we didn't (laughs) talk about it today, a couple of reasons. Either we haven't watched it yet. There's a couple that we might consider watching and then decide if, if it makes sense to do a bonus episode on. Um, other ones are too tough. Like, for example, we, um, we've we played around with the idea of unpacking reality shows. Like, mm. But I feel like we would need, instead of you and I talking about it, I feel like that's like we got to talk to people who are either really into reality shows or have been on one to talk about that. Um but it's not something again that we're so well versed in that like we would be able to unpack. Um, but yeah, keep the recommendations coming because you know what? One of them is going to stick, and we're going to do it. We promise. Like the bear was recommended. Yeah, totally. The bear was great. Bear was great. Yeah, season two. I mean, was, and, and again, yeah, we're going to do season two all day. Um, again, it was positive change and positive like leadership examples. And and that's really what we want to focus on um, and not a bunch of like rich, whiny babies. Yeah. And there's pro- <laughs> even if people start off bad, they like made 
progress in the bear. So that's also helpful too. <laughs> like there's a before and after story, not just constant badness. Yeah. All right, everybody. That concludes our three part mini series on the shows we love but can't talk about. We hope you had as much fun listening as we had discussing these shows. And please keep the recommendations coming. And make sure you're following us and get notified when new episodes come out because season three of Pop On Leadership will be coming out soon. And you guessed it, we're going to be covering season three of Ted Lasso. We love all our listeners. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. See you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez, who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.